0: You're listening to the Empty Stringers Podcast, where every week we talk about locating, catching, and the conservation of redfish. My hope is to share with you what I'm seeing from the polling platform so that together we can catch more fish. Think of it as your weekly fishing report. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. I'm your host, Matt Parrish. And it is 5 a.m. on Thursday morning, and this is the time that the podcast normally releases, but due to my crazy week, I am sitting down to record it right now, and as soon as I'm done recording it, I am hopping in the truck, and I am headed to the coast uh, to go fishing. So, hoping that we have some success out there on the water today, but uh, it is February, so my hopes are not. Uh, too high, let's recap what's been going on for the past week. Talk about what the fish are doing right now and how you can catch them. Uh, but before we do that, I'm gonna catch you up on just the ordinary things that have been going on around here. If you follow this podcast, you'll know what I'm talking about. I've been at the Baytown house, the miserable uh heap of two by fours that is the Baytown house. It's getting very close to completion. It's about to be all on my shoulders. I've got a lot of work to do. The painting is finishing up this week, and next week I'll be in there uh, doing all the trim out. But I've been in the backyard building a fence, and there is an old concrete slab in the backyard where a building used to be. That building was destroyed by a tree that fell on it. Well, the slab goes from one side of the yard on to the property line, and then all the way to the other side of the yard to the property line. So, to put the fence in, I've had to now bust out loads of concrete just to get two posts in on the left side. I think I've probably got another two or three posts that I might have to bust out that concrete slab to put down. So, uh, that's what I did. Yesterday, well no sorry yesterday I was at the fishing show, but Monday and Tuesday I busted out concrete and uh and dug post holes so that's what's going on there um my rib thank you for everyone who reached out about the rib it is not better uh it's not broken so that's good but it's not better it uh it's very, uh, it's very strange. I don't understand exactly what's going on. I've been going to the chiropractor twice a week and they've been uh, kind of checking on it and working on it and it is getting better, but it hurts in a new place every day. And I, it doesn't help that I've I sneezed like 14 times yesterday. So I may be causing more harm than than good just by all the activity I'm doing and then. And then the sneezing doesn't help. So, I don't know. I'm probably going to have to lay still for about two days, which is damn near impossible for me to do. So, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, The fishing show. I went yesterday, and uh, my buddy Chris got me a free ticket to the fishing show. And so, before we... Walked in, we had uh, a couple of beers and lunch over at Biggio's. I had never been there before. The food was really good. They had some cool uh brews on tap. I, I like the uh Galveston Bay uh blueberry blonde, I haven't had it in a long time because it's just I just don't find it in many places. They had it on tap, so that was cool. And got down there and walked over to the fishing show. This was my first time to ever go to the fishing show. I fished all while the fishing show was going on last year. And um, went this year for the first time. And it was super cool. They had a lot of neat stuff to look at. They had a lot of good deals uh, to pick up some stuff if you are short on gear. I would caution you if you're going... Uh, for, you know, today or Friday or Saturday, there are always lots of events going on in that area. So get there earlier than you think you need to and find a parking spot that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. I got I got caught up paying 30 bucks for parking because I parked in the Discovery Green uh, garage, the underground garage. And uh had planned on parking there, but did not imagine it was gonna cost thirty dollars to park there so and By the time I saw the thirty dollar sign, it was too late. I was already in the right lane with the blinker on, and thought this might as well happen. So I just paid it and uh then complained about it the whole time. So if you can plan out your parking scenario a little better, you'll do you'll do all right. Chris parked on the street. But he had a time limit. He had like a three-hour time limit. And by the time we had lunch and then made made the the rounds, he had to leave out uh, a little earlier just to make sure he didn't get a parking ticket. Uh, so think that part through. Other than that, walk through the doors, show them your ticket, and go mill around and see what they have. They've got everything from jewelry uh, that is made with fishing uh stuff and little uh trout and redfish and flounder and all kind of stuff for necklaces and, and bracelets to uh outboard motors to whole boats that are there uh rods, reels, baits, jig heads, everything you can imagine, fly gear, charter captains, uh you name it, they've got it. It's good stuff. Uh I got deal on uh some jig heads. Uh I like that. I can't even remember the name of them. I'm really bad about gear because I'm pretty minimalistic. Uh but uh JD JDR JDLR something something like that jig heads. They had those on sale. I got the three sixteenths ounce jig heads. That's my jam. That's what I use ninety percent of the time. And for you folks that are uh that are not great with math and fractions that is uh like uh just a little less than a quarter ounce jig head okay so quarter ounce i would use in heavy uh well i would use in deep water but we all know i don't fish deep water very often so i do have a few quarters but at three sixteenths is my is my go-to so i bought five bags of those i'm stocked up they had black heads on them. I love that. Uh, some people swear by having an eye on the jig head. I really don't care about that. I'd happen to buy the ones that do have an eye, but I don't care about it. What I care about is the size. I don't really want anything bigger than a 3 aught. And I want my jig head to have the curly, uh, the screw, the screw lock on the shaft. If you're going with a regular jig head, that's not a weedless setup. I want the screw lock on the shaft uh, because I don't want to have to keep pushing my bait up every time I get a bump or a snag or something like that. It drives me insane. So I just refuse to use a jig head that does not have the screw lock on there. Uh, on the, uh, the at the Caden booth, they've got a uh, a deal: five bags of baits. Either size you want for 20 bucks. That is a deal. So I bought five bags of those. And uh, the new product that they're coming out with, uh, Jacob, did not they weren't shipped to him in time. So he's going to release them at a later date. But it's going to be cool. I got to take a peek at it. It's going to become my go-to paddle tail. Um, So cat's out of the bag. It's a paddle tail. Uh, But it's going to be a little smaller we all know that's that's what i like and the tail action is going to just be amazing um uh, so i'm excited about that coming out on the uh on the other booths that i uh, that i visited i told you guys i was going to hang out at the Sabine the Sabine booth and i did just that um me and Brian uh and his wife Kaylor, and um and Chris and Drew, Selinsky that was with us, and uh, Captain Caleb McCumber, we all hung out at the Sabine booth for a little while. He had a very cool, uh, like a good representation of the lineup of skiffs. He had the ultralight, uh, the, or the Versalite. sorry, uh, the Sabine Versalite, which is basically... A versatile that's a tiny bit skinnier and only comes in the tiller option. And so my buddy Will, it's actually his boat that he got uh, that was just finished was at the show. It was a sagebrush uh, green, had the Yetis tied down in the middle, had a pretty open cockpit. It was a tiller handle. It was rigged for a trolling motor uh, and it had the tunnel hole. Beautiful boat he's going to love it. I can't wait for him to to get out there on it and enjoy it. Then he had the uh the carbon uh fiber model which the thing is an absolute beast. It had the low water pickups on the uh on the motor. It had all the things decked out. Brian went just nuts on the extras and really making that boat shine uh it's super cool if you have not seen it in person you should go see it then he had his regular versatile model which is basically exactly what my boat is and um we all know how i feel about that thing it's a uh, bulletproof i love it it's uh i think it's the best skiff on the market uh you could not give me a hells bay or or uh one of those other skiffs to replace it with Uh, not for free. I love the boat so much. So we had a good time hanging out. If I get a chance to go back on Friday, I might. Uh, My plans for Friday were, because it's going to rain, my plan was to go back to Baytown and work on that house, but my painter is going to be in there painting the kitchen cabinets, and it's going to be raining on the outside, so I'm not sure that I'll go to Baytown. And if I don't, I might just go to the fishing show. I've got some work I need to do uh in the morning and uh just for the regular job and uh once I get all that stuff done I will potentially go there. Got to visit with Captain Scott, uh, Noel uh for a while yesterday at the show before I left and um they had their seminar uh the Bite Me podcast put on their seminar uh last uh, well yesterday at around five thirty. I, I missed it. I had to leave and go pick up the kids but I'm sure it was fantastic. I plan to be listening to the Bite Me podcast when that comes out uh, here next week. And I think that Captain Scott has a 1 o'clock uh, thing that he's doing on Friday, I think. So if I break loose on Friday, I'm going to try to make uh, make it to that one. So that's the plan. That's what's going on with the fishing show. I highly recommend going. And uh, let's get into what we're actually seeing out there on the water. Folks, sorry, I had to sip my coffee there. It's February. I just want to encourage you. We're in the middle of February. We're almost there. We're almost out of this purgatory of uh, of fishing. So right now, uh, with the weather being the way it has been, and the fact that I don't think we have any real cool downs uh, ahead of us at this point. We were supposed to have a strong cool down, another freeze, really. When they first started talking about it, it was going to be another snow apocalypse. It was supposed to be happening right now. And then it moved to, oh no, it's going to happen this weekend. Well, the cold front that's coming behind the rain that we're going to get on Friday going to rain Friday, it's going to blow in Saturday, and it's going to be cold Sunday morning, but I'm showing 39 in Houston as the low, and then that's it, like the next day we're back up into the 40s, the next day after that we're in the 50s as the low, so that's not going to affect a whole lot of of anything, it's going to lower the water temperature a little bit, which we desperately need right now because that water temperature has been getting up and hovering too close around the 70 uh, degree mark and when that water stays really it's about 68 and above it starts to get muddy it starts to get stained all the stuff that's settled down at the bottom is stirred up somehow i don't know the science on it um we've argued about all that before all i know is that 68 degrees and above Uh, the water is going to get stained if it stays there. It's got to stay there for a a couple days and then it's going to start staining up. Uh, That has kind of started to happen. This cold weather that's going to come in is going to cool that water back down and make sight casting easier again for another couple of weeks. And then in March, we're going to have this uh, cycle of Oh, it's spring. Nope, here's a cool front. You notice I said cool front, not a cold front. To me, a cold front's gonna drop you into the low forties and low thirties, and it's gonna be cold and it's gonna it's gonna make your high temperature still seem cold, like your high temperature be in the low forties. Uh a cool front is this thing that happens when it drops into the upper forties, low fifties, and then it's 70 during the day. We're gonna to start to see a lot of that during March, and it's gonna keep our water temperature where it needs to be, but you get about halfway through March and Katie bar the door spring's coming on. you can't do anything about it and and that's good we're I'm ready for spring, but what's happened right now is that the bait. When the water is coming up and then dropping out and coming up and then dropping out, the water's warm enough to where it's tricking some of this bait and a lot of mullet are roaming up uh, into the shallows off of these canals. If you find a deep canal and then you find an offshoot from it that maybe has a shallow flat or something, you're going to find lots of bait on those uh, flats and right off the edges of those canals. What I'm not finding is a ton of fish with it. Uh, This past week, I had uh, stuff going on on Thursday, and I'll, I was only able to get out for a couple of hours. I think I was on the water a total of three hours. And I was in a deep canal on my trolling motor, and the water I was sitting in was probably five or six feet deep. I'll lo- I'm looking over on the edge of this canal up close to the grass, and there is a sheep head, sheep's head just roaming that shoreline very slow, big sheep's head. So I did like I do all this sheep's head that don't ever bite my lure. I threw uh, out at him, and he was close enough to the grass that I do this a lot when I see a redfish real close to the grass. I throw my lure in the grass, and then I wiggle it out and let it just gently enter the water because I don't want to splash in front of the fish and scare it. Especially with how spooky they've been lately, so I let it fall in the grass, wiggle it out, it slid in there about a foot and a half in front of the sheep's head. I twitched it, and that sheep's head so violently annihilated my bait that I've never seen anything like it it was it it the thing hit it so hard that it scared me. At first, I wasn't quite sure that it was reacting to my bait, but it was. I set the hook, fight ensued. It was a little over six pounds on the boga. That's a big sheep's head. And then uh, not long after that, I uh, milled around in some uh, shallower water and caught a redfish. And it was a spectacular eat as well. I'd thrown out in, the, in this little pond that has... a. Uh, that has trenches in it, so like it's got some low spots uh, between some high humps. And I'm dragging my bait through these trenches, and I you have to hit it just right with your cast. Well, I missed uh, the trench on one of my casts like the wind carried it, and so I was burning it back in to try to redo that cast. So I'm, I'm reeling it as fast as I can reel it. And a redfish comes out of the trench as it crosses over it, and is chasing my bait uh chases it for four or five feet before i even realize what's happening and i slowed it ever so slightly and the redfish hammered it so super cool eat i caught both of those fish and then i i was show was over after that i had to go but uh the next day chris and i were out we had a slow day i think we caught one redfish and one trout and then uh uh, buddy my Brad, who I'm fishing with today, Brad and Paul, Brad from Wyoming. You've heard me talk about him before. Um, they're going out with me today. And Brad, you know, not knowing the waters and being down here uh, from Wyoming and having a drift boat that is really made for the lakes and streams up north. He had been asking me, you know, what to do, where to go. So I'm kind of pointing him in this direction. And he went to the area that I told him to go and caught four redfish and a few trout and had a had a good, uh, you know, three or four hours on the water. And um, so they're there, but he caught all his fish, uh, what sounded like it was during the major of the minor. Most of the fish we're catching are during the majors of the minors. Uh, today we've got a minor around 10, 10 to 11 or 10.30 to 11.30. And that's it. The majors happening right now while I'm sitting here recording this podcast. So it's going to be a tough day. I can feel that. But we have very low wind. So what am I going to do? I'm going to find the cleanest water I can find and we're going to go hunt shallow water until we find redfish lurking around. Uh that's the plan. Hunt as much shallow water as humanly possible and see what we what we find. So Uh, that's the game plan you sometimes can find them stacked this time of year it's happened it happened to me a few weeks ago um in january uh and i've heard of other folks you know looking into a day where they're where they're stomping on the redfish and and that's that's awesome it just doesn't happen that often this time of year you'll notice like a lot of the guides on social media using the same picture like they had a, a, a heyday you know a few weeks back and they're using that same picture over and over and over again on social media or you've got that that hotshot uh guide that's trying to come in there and make a name for himself and it's usually the kayak guides that are you know oh no we're no february's great you know we're, we're hammering we caught the, yeah you might have done that one day or two days. I've been there. I've done that. I. But you're not going out consistently every day in February and catching 12 or 15 redfish. It's just not happening. Um, if it is, if you're one of those guys and you're listening to this podcast, you should go start your own redfish podcast um, because you've figured it out. Uh, there are guys out there that know a lot more uh, than I do. Um, but a lot of them play a different game. A lot of a lot of those tournament anglers are looking for big fish, and they've got the deep water thing figured out. I admittedly do not, um, and I am hanging around those guys as much as possible to try to learn from them so that I can be a a more well rounded angler. But um, right now, if you're going to go out, I'm going to give you like the short brass tacks. Here's what I would do in February, anytime you know, you're out on the water, uh, you are looking for, you're not hunting in the marsh all that often unless you've got high water. But if you go into the marsh, you don't want to go way to the back. You want to hang closer to the front edges of it, more of the upper lakes, closer to deeper water. Don't venture too far from deep water. That's rule number one. Rule number two, you need open water structure. Nine times out of 10 in our area in Galveston Bay complex, that's going to be oyster. So go ahead and rig you up a a weedless uh, hook with a paddle tail on it and go hunt oyster beds. Uh, You have a lot of the oyster that gets covered and uncovered, uh, milling around those areas and then falling off into the deeper channels that they live near are good ways to catch fish. Uh, if you have good sight casting conditions, then uh, you hang up there, move slow, methodically, and just surround the oyster beds. Uh, if you're blind casting and you have you know, conditions where that's all you're able to do because of the wind or the sun or the water is stained, find you an oyster bed uh, and find you about two to three feet of water around that oyster bed and that's going to be your money spot beat it to death that's where you're going to find fish i've been doing that since mid-january and uh, my go-to is always a foot of water and i'm looking for them and we may find them up there but uh if conditions for sight casting aren't good which they really haven't been very good lately i'll go find two or three feet of water with oyster on the bottom, I'll find a drop off where maybe there's a channel running through. Uh, fishing those structures and moving until you find the fish, covering those areas methodically. That's the game right now. Uh, we're not seeing the normal signs of, oh, I saw, you know, a bunch of shrimp flip. I saw a bunch of bait uh, in the water. I saw. A lot of times when I'm seeing bait in the water right now, it's, uh, it's almost a fluke. It's like I get over there and there's nothing there. Now we have caught some fish, uh, when there's been a lot of bait in the water, but it's just not the norm. You know, when you go, when you launch your boat or your kayak in, uh, three weeks from now, four weeks from now, the, the marsh is going to be alive. It's going to, those, those tides are going to flood it in and all the bait's going to be pouring in and, and it's just going to come to life. Well, it's not right now. The water seems dead. There's very little activity. It just doesn't have that mojo to it that we're used to seeing. Don't let that discourage you. There still can be fish in the area, but you have to tie yourself to structure. It's all about that podcast I put out a while back, Red are Like People, right? Uh You can even see it. If you're going to go to the fishing show, uh, take notice of where the people are and how they're behaving. If there's a boat parked at the show, which there's lots of them, if there's a boat parked there and there's people talking near the boat, what are they doing? They're leaning on it. They're sitting on it. You see uh, people are congregated over by the hot dogs and uh, the concession area, and there's table and chairs there. That's a structure that's inviting to people, and people go and use that structure the oyster beds the uh the elevation changes the ridges the the potholes the uh the the posts, even this time of year we don't do it much as redfish guys, but the docks um all around you know I would say if you're going to fish a dock, let it be at least three feet deep or more but You can catch redfish off of docks like you're bass fishing this time of year. I don't do it much. Uh, I don't do it at all, if I'm being honest, Uh, uh, unless it's really, really early in the morning and I'm catching it at a light or something like that. But you can do it. Uh, Structure is the key. Uh, Redfish are just like people. And also, just as an aside, because it's an age-old argument, I see people, I see a lot of new guys getting on, Social media and all the fishing forums are asking the question, hey, what type of what what braid should I use? What leader should I use? What you know, all this stuff. All right. If you like to redfish and you happened upon this podcast, I'm just going to cut to the chase for you. Buy an expensive reel that you like. I would go with a, a lose custom light. That's my favorite reel. It's bulletproof. I can work on it. I love it. Shimano makes a great reel. I've heard uh, mixed reviews on the baits, Hundo, but it seems that it's going to be a a solid reel. Get you a good rod. Something that you're going to like throwing. I like the Laguna lattice stick. It's my favorite. I think Laguna makes the best rod on the market. But get you a nice rig. Spend the money on it. If you're going to invest time into doing this, You want gear that's going to hold up under the conditions that we fish in and you're going to want uh, something that's going to be tough and last. Put 30 pound uh, braid. I like the omni and the suffix. Both are fine. Don't use a freaking leader. You don't have to use a leader. This podcast is based out of Galveston. I'm fishing Galveston West Bay, right? 90% of the time. I don't ever use a leader, but if you... If you fish with me when I go to Port O'Connor once or twice a year, uh, I don't use a leader there. When I've fished with Scott Null on his boat, I didn't use a leader, and he doesn't use one either. Um, It it doesn't matter. The fish, that little red fish's brain is not going to see your line and go, Oh, almost got me. (laughs) That's a fishing line. No, they're not going to do that. They probably don't care about that line. I'm not going to say they don't see it. They probably see it, but they don't care about it. Just like they don't care that your bait that you're pulling in front of their face has a lead head with no eyes on it, or it's got a set of eyes on it and your paddle tail has a set of eyes on it. I see you folks out there doing that, which is no big deal. The redfish doesn't care that your bait has four eyes or no eyes. It doesn't care that you, you have this hook sticking out of the the side of it. It drives me nuts that people think that the redfish is going to care about the line and they don't care about the big hook hanging out of the side of the bait. Come on, people. That's common sense, right? So, y'all, I ain't even finished my cup of coffee and I'm all wound up now. So don't use a leader, okay? If you get on my boat, if you book me for a trip and you get on my boat with a leader on, I'm going to make fun of you until you cut it off okay so just be ready for that uh speaking of booking me for a trip uh that's the only thing i'll make fun of you for at least um yeah we'll say that that's a safe bet um april is about to book up fast so we need to get dates on the calendar for april i've i donated a lot of trips this year um I let that get away from me a little bit. I had several organizations reach out and want me to donate trips, and I did. I think I donated like four of them. So uh, that's going to take some spots up in April and May. I need you to come, uh, to get with me, and let's put a date on the calendar as soon as possible. Because I've got a couple of dates I'm going to be out of town. I've got a couple of dates the wife's going to be out of town, which puts me in charge of the kids. And so uh, I want to utilize... All the dates I can uh, to book with you guys and I'm not advertising I'm pretty much going with uh with you folks that are listening to the podcast or word of mouth uh, because I'm afraid if I advertise with only uh fishing you know tw- only running trips twice a week i'm gonna get completely full uh and have to turn people away and I don't want to do that so uh, let's get into our Bible tidbit We're talking about Gideon this week. Gideon is one of the judges. What are the judges? Well, they're not uh, gown and gavel type judges that you would think about in a courtroom. Judges uh, is a book in the Bible. It's after uh, the book of Joshua, I think before the book of Ruth. It is a time in Israel's history after the death of, of Joshua, who, if you know your uh, your uh, Israel history, uh, Moses dies in the uh, in the desert. Joshua leads the people into the promised land, and in the promised land, uh, Joshua dies. And then there's this period called the Judges, where Israel has uh, these people that are raised up uh, to rescue them from their oppressors. And they have oppressors because uh, the story of the judges goes like this, and really the story of all Israel goes like this. Israel does evil in the sight of the Lord and chases after uh, idols and foreign gods, and then God sends a neighboring nation to conquer them and oppress them. And then a judge rises up and saves the people in battle. And then it happens all over again, over and over and over in the book of Judges. And you might get annoyed with the Israelites and go, look, why don't you guys learn uh, your lesson? Well, first of all, our nature as humans is not to learn (laughs) our lesson, right? We are the nation of Israel every day in our everyday life. We do right, and then we do wrong. And then we something bad happens, or we come to our senses, and we do right, and then we do wrong, right? Uh, even Apostle Paul says, the thing that I want to do, I don't do, and I end up doing the thing I don't want to do, right? So that's the kind of cycle that they're in. And Gideon uh, is, you know, hiding from the Midianites. The Midianites have conquered uh, Israel, and Mid, uh, Gideon is on the wheat threshing floor hiding the wheat from the Midianites. When the Lord finds him, and he says, "Oh, mighty man of valor," and Gideon's like, "Dude, I'm, I'm the least in my household. My household is the least in the nation of Israel." So he's like, uh the the wimpy kid on the playground. He's the least likely person." to be uh, raised up as a judge. God has a habit of finding those people and putting them in positions of power to do cool things, to do the good work that he's laid out for them. uh, Gideon, I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I think we might have other podcasts where we talk about him, but uh, one of the interesting things that happens is that uh, God tells Gideon to go and destroy the altar of Baal which the the area and the people that live there are so deep off into the idol worship that they are worshiping Baal, which is a foreign god, on this altar. So when he destroys it, he makes everybody mad, right? Well, it creates uh, a conflict with uh, the Midianites, and he's going to go to war with them, right? So he's nervous and not sure that God is actually calling him to go to battle with the Midianites. And so he sets out a fleece or think of like a blanket. And he says, God, if you really want me to do this uh, in the morning when I wake up, please let there be dew on the fleece and let the ground be dry. So Gideon gets up the next morning and the fleece is soaking wet with dew and the ground is dry. The fleece is so wet, he wrings it out and gets a bowl full of water from it. And then he says, uh-huh, cool, okay, uh, God, don't be mad, but like just one more time, could, could I test you and can you make the fleece dry and let there be dew all over the ground? And in God's loving kindness and patience, he does that for Gideon. He wakes up the next morning, the fleece is dry and the ground is wet with dew. And so Gideon goes about the mission. And so that has in um in you know biblical terms been called setting out a fleece before God, right? It's a it's a metaphor used in the story. Uh it well, it's a we use it as a metaphor, but it actually happened in that story. But it's it's a way for people to say, you're testing God. You're testing God to see if you're actually doing the right thing. I would say two things about that. One, um, it's probably not the best idea. If at all possible, um, you should take God at his word, uh, which we have. It's called the Bible. We should take God at his word and in prayer uh, consider the things that he would have us do and then go and do them, but... In real life, I know that that isn't always the way it works. And there are some times when we uh, need that extra nudge and we may be looking for some kind of a sign. Uh, I would say that if you you need that kind of a sign, uh, God is patient with you just in the same way he was patient with Gideon. But we have something that Gideon didn't have we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can prompt us, and teach us, and incline us to do the good work that God has put before us. So, we don't need to set out a fleece before God any, any longer in the way that Gideon did. But I think that highlighting the fact that God's loving kindness toward Gideon was so patient, and he, uh, even though he had Uh, done everything he said he was going to do up until that point Gideon still doubted and God was patient with him and showed him yes this is what I want you to do we serve a God that is both uh he is loving and kind and patient and he's also terrifying and so I think that that is a great uh, way to think about God and to respect him and be in awe and fear of him and also uh have a loving adoration for him. So that's our Bible tidbit for today. That story, if you want to read all of Gideon's story, it's rather amazing. It's in Judges chapter 6, starts in about verse 11. Have fun with that. If you want to reach out to me, emptystringers at gmail.com. You can find me there. Shoot me an email. I'm on Instagram at empty underscore stringers. And you can find me on the TikToks at empty stringers. So do that. Um, uh, y'all know what I'm listening to. I'm listening to the Salty Yak Outdoor Podcast. Uh, go check out Drew uh, Turner's Paddler's Playbook on here on the Redfish Network. Um, the Bite Me Podcast. I'm always listening to those guys every week. And um, uh, there was a a post. I appreciate you guys making uh someone I can't remember who it was made a post about the podcast. I think his name was Curtis on the Bite Me page. Um. I uh I don't uh I don't in, um, encourage folks to promote the podcast on other people's uh podcast page but uh but nevertheless I really appreciated it. You said some nice things and it's true. Um, Scott and I uh think a lot alike and it's because uh Scott um, taught me basically everything I know uh whether verbally directly to me or from me listening to him on the podcast. Um, I became friends with Scott after I booked a trip with him and he found out I had an electrical background and then I helped him wire his house. Chris went down there with me one day. Um, I spent, uh, two or three days down there in total and, um, just got to be buds. I fished with him a couple of times and uh, we talk on the phone, uh, fairly regularly and he's taught me everything I know. Uh, we think a lot alike because I try to think like Scott. I shamelessly am trying to, uh, follow in his footsteps because I think he's doing it right and, uh, he's not going to do it forever, right? He's got to leave it to somebody, um, uh, who can think and act and care for the resource the way that, that he does. So, um, I appreciate that. If you want to help the podcast in another way, you can leave a review on, apple Podcasts or spotify wherever you listen uh it does not have to be a long review click the stars leave a one word uh thing down there just just the act of a review being left helps boost the podcast in the algorithm of podcast land and and gets us more of an audience so i really appreciate you guys go fishing and catch some fish i'll talk to you later